Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio. And how the tech are you? It's time for the tech news for Thursday, August 11th, 2022. Cisco, a company that primarily focuses on networking hardware and telecommunications equipment, as well as some IT security products, has admitted that it was hit by a ransomware attack. That, as they say, is a tough pill to swallow, but it also illustrates how there's no such thing as a bulletproof defense when it comes to data security. Fortunately, according to Cisco reps, the attackers only gained access to some non-critical information. The company released a statement that says, quote, Cisco did not identify any impact to our business as a result of this incident, including Cisco products or services, sensitive customer data, or sensitive employee information, intellectual property, or supply chain operations, end quote. The statement did recognize that the hackers released on the dark web a list of files that they were able to access, and it included stuff like non-disclosure agreements and some sketches and stuff. 
The attack actually happened back in May. We're just hearing about it now. And Cisco reps say the company has already taken action to limit access to any other file systems and that the attackers got access by compromising an employee's account. Apparently, they first were able to gain control of the employee's personal Google account, and that allowed them to use the synced credentials in Chrome to access Cisco systems. They also tricked the employee into revealing a multi-factor authentication code. You know, that's the kind of thing that when you put in your password, it says, all right, we're sending a, a code to your cell phone, that sort of stuff. And that just goes to show that you can employ very secure processes, but they only work if people, you know, follow them. And that's really why we can't have bulletproof defenses. So for one thing, creating something that has no vulnerabilities, that's pretty darn hard. They are creating a system that has no footholds for hackers, very difficult to do. But another is that people are frequently the weakest link in the security chain, as was in this case. So you don't have to be the most elite hacker in the world if you can convince someone to hand you the keys to the kingdom. The attackers then used various tools to create backdoor access points within the system so that even when the Cisco security team detected them and gave them the boot, they could worm their way back in. And it took some time to weed out all those issues. The attackers did not, however, encrypt Cisco's files, which is something we typically see with ransomware attacks. The attackers were identified as being part of the Yan Lua Wong gang, Yan Lua Wang is a name of a particular type of ransomware. So Cisco reps say they suspect that the group were likely planning on deploying ransomware, but had not actually gone that far before they got weeded out. Over at Google, employees are feeling a quote-unquote real vibe change, at least according to one unnamed source who talked with Business Insider. Google has extended its hiring freeze, which began in late July and continues on today. And there are growing concerns that Google could initiate layoffs or institute tougher performance measures that employees will have to meet. And if they don't meet them, they might be considered for termination. Sundar Pichai, the CEO of Google, has said that the company's headcount and its productivity don't seem to match up. So essentially suggesting that Google has too many employees for the amount of work that's actually being done. So the worry is that the tougher performance measures could be a way to judge which employees are pulling more weight than others, and then the company might move to eliminate the employees who are seen to be falling behind. The, this kind of echoes something that Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg said a couple of months back about Meta, namely that, quote, there are probably a bunch of people at the company who shouldn't be here, end quote. Now, in Meta's case, the strategy appears to be to turn up the pressure on employees and then see who sticks around. The idea being that the folks who aren't best suited for the company will drop off first. You know, if you can't stand the heat, you get out of the kitchen kind of thing. Now, personally, I don't think that's the best strategy because you could end up alienating some of your best employees who figure they can just go somewhere else and have be treated better, right? That's getting increasingly difficult during these tough economic times. So maybe you could gamble with that, but you could really end up with a lower headcount without a guarantee that the people who stuck around are, you know, the best ones. But what do I know? Anyway, we're seeing these sort of attitudes across the entire tech sector particularly in these larger organizations. And, you know, just as a rule, I have noticed that 
as organizations grow to gargantuan size, workload can end up spreading out over to a point where your average employee might not have that much actual work to do. Um, And in fact, you see this with government agencies a lot, where some government employees spend most of their workdays trying to look busy to justify the fact that they have a position. Now, to be clear, that is not the employee's fault. It's more of a sign of poor management and planning, and it just stinks when you realize that you've reached that point, and then you have to make moves to correct course because frequently that means you've got to let some folks go, and that's tough. On a similar note, Microsoft is shutting down a department it first established in 2018. The group is called the Modern Life Experiences Team, which, I mean, that name doesn't give you much of a hint about what the heck is going on over there, right? Well, as it turns out, the role of the Modern Life Experiences Team was to win back professional consumers or prosumers. So this was kind of a customer retention group, although... More than retention, because retention just sounds like you're trying to keep folks there. Their job was to convince folks who had actively moved away from Microsoft products and services to come back into the fold. Anyway, the group consists of around 200 people, and those folks now are being told they have to find another position within Microsoft so they can apply to work somewhere else within the company, or they can leave and take severance. And at least they're gonna get severance, so that's something. So this isn't a case of Microsoft turning up the heat to try and get people to jump ship, because if they did that, then, you know, people who are leaving, they might not be qualified to get a severance package if they're leaving on their own. So that's something. It's a pretty tarnished silver lining, but it's better than nothing. You know, there's been a ton of business news lately because all the big public companies have been holding their various earnings calls for the end of a quarter. Most of them, it's Q2. For some, it might be Q3. It all depends on where their their uh, fiscal year starts because it doesn't always start at the same time as the calendar year. And we've learned a lot of things in this process. We learned like how Warner Brothers Discovery merger has led to the superhero film Batgirl being shelved permanently. Reportedly, David Zaslov, who's the CEO of this merged company, felt that Batgirl was more valuable as a tax write-off than as a film, since it was destined really to just go to streaming rather than a theatrical release, and reportedly it would need more money to finish the film, and it had already gone over its initial $75 million budget up to $90 million. And so... I guess the call was made that rather than pour more money into it, they could just write it off. Now, the story goes that the company only will receive the tax write-off if Batgirl never gets a commercial release in any form, streaming or otherwise. If that's true, that means there's no hope for folks to ever see this movie unless the footage got leaked somehow. And there are a lot of people who are curious about it. Some because they love the character Batgirl. Some because Michael Keaton is supposed to be in the movie as Batman. And of course, he was Batman in the early 90s with the Tim Burton films, the the, the two that Tim Burton directed. So there's been a lot of curiosity about this movie, uh, but it sounds like there's no chance of anyone actually seeing it. And it's caused a lot of folks to get angry. And obviously, the filmmakers and the people involved in the project are disappointed. No one wants to work on something only to be told that work is never going to be seen. 
And let me tell you, as someone who has once worked for David Zaslov, though I was way, 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 way under his radar, I can understand getting a little miffed at some of Zaslov's decisions. I got miffed at some of his decisions back when I was working for Discovery Communications. Zaslov has said that the plan is to cut around $3 billion of costs out from this merged company. And he says that that might actually be on the conservative side. And that has a lot of folks worried. Uh, I can actually right now think of an entire company, a content company that could be on the chopping block. I would think the most likely fate for it would be to have it get sold off to some other entity. But it's too early to make any actual predictions. Zaslov has also indicated that it makes no economic sense to make high-cost content for streaming platforms because you don't get a very big return on that investment. It ends up costing you more than you can make. And this is something that we see echoed on other streaming platforms, including on Netflix. And it's really no secret. I mean, everyone knew that Netflix was pouring truckloads of money into producing content in an effort to attract subscribers. And once those subscriber numbers began flagging a bit, investors got really worried. And we'll talk about other streaming services that have also had to reckon with the high cost of doing business after we come back from the break. Meanwhile, Zaslov has indicated that expensive productions really should just be targeted toward theatrical release, where a healthy box office could produce a good return. How to make streaming work from a profitability standpoint is a high priority, uh, because cable and satellite TV subscription numbers continue to drop, particularly here in the United States. And Zaslov is a cable guy through and through. That's the world he comes from. And that means he has to find a new model before the old one goes completely belly up. While he didn't go into detail, the general takeaway is that this new company, Warner Brothers Discovery, is going to combine HBO Max within the Discovery Plus streaming service or perhaps create a new merged one, have a unified streaming service with different verticals or channels of content. So HBO Max isn't going to go away. In fact, Zaslov called it the crown jewel, but it will be incorporated into something bigger. At least that's the assumption right now. And also that there are expected layoffs coming from across both Discovery and Warner Brothers units in the not too distant future. We've got a lot more to talk about today. Before we get to it, let's take a quick break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play okay we're back let's talk about disney because disney also held an earnings call recently and there's tons we could talk about there but i'm really going to look more at streaming services Uh, Disney subscriber numbers for its digital streaming services totaled 221 million people that means For the first time, a streaming service, or collection of them really, has posted higher subscriber numbers than Netflix. Netflix is behind Disney's services by about 500,000 subscribers total. But you heard the caveat there. This is not a single streaming service from Disney we're talking about. It's a collection of them. So Disney achieved this by having multiple streaming services. Netflix is just Netflix. But at Disney, you've got Disney+. Plus. ESPN Plus, and Hulu. Now, out of those three, Disney Plus has the greatest number of subscribers at 152 million. So if we break it down by service, Netflix is still way ahead. It's ahead of even Disney Plus. But it's not all good news anyway, at least not to customers, because the rising costs of production, you know, those Marvel series ain't cheap, even if snarky folks do poke fun at the CGI at times. That means that Disney is going to pass those costs down to you, the viewer. Yep, a Disney Plus subscription is going to get more expensive starting December 8th. Right now, a basic subscription costs $7.99 per month here in the U.S. And on December 8th, that's going to increase to $10.99 per month, which is a 38% increase. But hey, if you want... You could just stick with $7.99 a month because Disney is introducing a tier at that price that will be including commercials. So it's ad supported. So if you don't mind ads in your programming, you can just keep paying what you're paying right now, you know, for an ad free experience. So in a way, you get extra content because you get commercials, too. Starting to sound like Zaslav. Hulu's price is also going up. The ad-supported tier will go from $6.99 to $7.99 per month. And the ad-free version will go from $12.99 
to $14.99. That is effective October 10th. Uh, Disney previously had already announced that ESPN Plus rates would increase by 43%, so they're all going up. I'm definitely grumpy about this, you know, just to keep it in the Disney family. But at the same time, it's kind of hard to protest this move. I mean, Disney's numbers reveal that the streaming divisions have been losing money. Collectively, across all three platforms, they have lost $1.1 billion in this most recent quarter. That's more than $300 million over what analysts had predicted. And it shows that these services have really gone all out in an effort to attract subscribers by funding this very expensive programming that's on the, the services. Unfortunately, the number of incoming subscribers is not offsetting the investment being made to get them in the first place. So that only opens up a few options, right? You could scale way back on production, which is what Zaslav is doing over at Warner Brothers Discovery, or you could hike up prices to your customers, which is what we're seeing at Disney. Or you might do a combination of both. This may mean that we will eventually enter into an era of fewer prestige productions for streaming platforms, that the business just won't support it. And that's going to be rough for creators and for audiences, but it might also be necessary. The balance of art and commerce is never an easy one, and often we'll see the scales tip one direction or the other, and then things will eventually level out. And then we typically start it up all over again. Under the Trump administration, the Federal Communications Commission held an auction for companies to win a bid that would give them a portion of the Rural Digital Opportunity Fund. And that fund's purpose is to provide money for internet service providers to extend connectivity service to unserved and underserved communities, primarily rural communities that have limited or no access to internet service providers as it stands. One company that won a bid was Starlink, the SpaceX unit that uses a network of tiny satellites to provide internet connectivity to customers. But now the FCC has effectively changed its mind. Now, to be fair, the FCC changes dramatically from one presidential administration to the next, and it's a very different organization under Biden than it was under Trump. The FCC has now rejected Starlink's bid, which would have seen the unit of SpaceX received more than $880 million in government aid to flesh out its broadband offerings. So why the change of mind? Well, the FCC chair, Jessica Rosenworcel, said that Starlink wasn't really a proven entity and that's relying on, quote, developing technology, end quote, meaning that the company cannot assure the FCC that it will live up to its part of the deal. Specifically, she said, quote, we cannot afford to subsidize ventures that are not delivering the promised speeds or are not likely to meet program requirements, end quote. She also pointed out that Starlink's model requires customers to purchase a $600 dish. That definitely prices out a large number of households. And if your goal is to extend internet connectivity to unserved or underserved communities, part of that usually includes making sure that the solutions are going to be affordable to lower income households. It would be a bad look, as they say, to subsidize a company that had a really high initial price for customers. And that's before you start factoring in things like monthly service fees. The FCC also denied a bid from a company called LTD Broadband, which had won a $1.3 billion bid back in 2020. The reason for the FCC's rejection of that 
bid was that LTD failed to receive eligible telecommunications carrier status in seven of the 15 states where it bid, and the FCC determined that LTD would be unable to actually deploy a network on the scale that the winning bids had been based upon. As the FCC pointed out, there is a limited amount of government money set aside to help extend broadband access, and so it's of chief importance that what little money there is be spent effectively. Though how you do that in a country where there are so few viable options for ISPs is beyond me. And that's all the news I have for today, Thursday, August 11th, 2022. I hope that you are all well. Reach out to me if you have any suggestions for future topics on Tech Stuff, and I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 